<laughs> hey guys and welcome to the Dear Baddies Be podcast with me your host Nkem. How are we all doing? Listen, I, I proper sound over the moon, don't I? And it's because this is going to be a slightly different show to what you've been used to. It's for a couple of things. First of all, I'm just going to start with life updates, how the week's been, and then introduce you to some new corners of the show. Oh my God, it sounds so crazy to say that. This is basically the NCHEM show. So if you're tuning in, howdy y'all. Um, anywho, so life updates. I'm not going to lie to you. It's been a rough couple of, I don't want to say a couple of weeks, but it's been a rough week. I've been dealing for the last couple of days with high anxiety. Listen, I know exactly why I'm going through that and maybe in another episode down the line I can talk about it more but for now this is where we're at and just taking it day by day as I usually post on my page because that's what you can do this is part of living we get the good the bad and the ugly and unfortunately I'm just in a a little bit of the ugly phase right now but things like this cheer me up so much and working on the content that I've been creating updates on top of it all If you are listening to me now, and if you saw my story today on Wednesday morning, you'll know that your girl is building her own home setup. (laughs) I'm so excited for this. I'll be honest, I was having a few reliability issues with the last studio that I was working in frequently, and it's okay. I just decided to take it as an opportunity to cement this craft that I'm pursuing, and I decided that a home studio would be honestly the best option. I hope that the sound is good and you're hearing me clearly because this is my new mic. I am working via USB and my beautiful MacBook. The setup will change and unfortunately because I'm still in the progress of changing anything, sorry, the process of changing everything, you won't have video format this week but it will resume next week and I may be even more comfortable than I am because I right now I'm on the floor of my living room. So fun but I'm so excited for this. I just thought it was the next step. It would honestly save me money because yo, If I was going to go to a studio, a regular studio, where, like I've said before on my page at least, everything's set up for you. You don't have to bring SD cards or anything. They transfer you the files. It's wonderful and it's smooth. It's still going to cost me about £40 a week. And that's a lot of money to put towards something that I don't make money from, which is fine. Like, I'm enjoying this and I'm investing money, which I decided was better, towards a home studio. So that's what we're doing. And that's the decision that has been made. Enjoy this with me. (laughs) And then I have decided that in honour of me continually doing this podcast, I wanted to add in some segments. So I had a real hard time thinking of what kind of segments I wanted to add in, but I have finally made my decision. And I decided that I was going to bring over one of the traditions I have on my actual page, which is doing a thought of the day. We're going to do a thought of the week. It most likely will probably be the thought of the day that I have on the day that I record. But let's see. Sometimes, you know, inspiration strikes on the days that I record. So who knows? But today's thought of the day is if Rome wasn't built in a day, then why would your life be? And that one's not just for everyone else out there. That's for me too, because I sometimes put so much pressure on myself to have all my shit together and to have all the passes and steps that I'm going to make ready and almost done right now. That's not possible. You are quite literally a continuous work of art. Every single day, every single experience that you go through, including me and my anxiety this week, are the bricks of our being. And you cannot expect yourself to be at 100 overnight because Rome wasn't built in a day. So 
that's me also having to tell myself that these crazy expectations I set myself only exist to hold me back from my full potential because they're unrealistic. We talk about setting goals and making sure that we can picture them and imagine them and that they're realistic and that they're sustainable to work towards. So I really don't think that we do that for ourselves. So thought of the day, okay? This segment really came from the fact that people were responding really well to my thoughts of the day on my posts on Instagram. And that sharing of thoughts of the day came from the fact that in my first job, I became really, really low. And at one point I was so desperate for positivity, starved of positivity, that I decided to pay for an app called Motivate, quite literally it's called Motivation. But I paid for that app, the premium package for a year. And essentially I'd schedule motivational prompts every three hours. I was that starved, like I really needed that in my life. And since then I've sort of carried that thought process and I still have it now I just have the free one because I got a lot of the quotes there and it just helped me pick myself up and just focus on the positive amass so much negative in the job so I hope it does the same thing for you that it did for me and yeah week in week out or day by day if you follow me on IG you'll see those motivational quotes the next segment that I wanted to introduce to my podcast is pop culture moments. And listen, if it's not for you, please exit. But me, I love a cheeky gossip. I love hearing about stuff. I love hearing about information. I like being involved. I like being nosy. I've said it before. So pop culture moments are just the moments <laughs> during the week of pop culture that have piqued my interest. So for this week, we are starting with the dating scene because I'm sorry I've been aghast for most of the week's stories which include Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet coming out as a couple at the Beyonce concert or at least being seen together now I had to dig up some information because I was like is this just completely out of the blue am I being stupid and I realized that apparently they've pretty much been seeing slash dating or having at least met at the beginning of this year it's just that it just feels fake guys And I hope it's not because I love love. I love believing in love, but it just feels so public directed. And I'm so over these celebrity relationships that I like that because it's not just Kylie. At the moment, Kendall and Bad Bunny are together and I hope it's real. These people do not need more publicity. They just don't. Kylie is a billionaire who has her own makeup brand, who has her hands in so many other pies. She is a She's a businesswoman. Timothy Chalamet is up and coming. Well, I say up and coming. I need to give him his flowers. He's a cemented actor who's doing amazing in the field. He's got Willy Wonka, which is going to be massive, by the way, coming out in December. And he's done so many other roles that have been fabulous. Kendall is a world-renowned model. Everybody knows her name. Like, if you're in this world, this Western Hemisphere, chances are you're going to know her. And then Bad Bunny is quite literally one of the most well-known reggaeton singers out here right now. Why do they have to be dating for the publicity? Because I'm good, I'm just going to assume that that's what it is. But I'm so f- frustrated because I just want real love. I want the love that we see with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds. I want the love that we see with Ryan Gosling and Eva Mendes. The love that Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Geller have. Like, that's real love. Like, these couples and Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher. Like, I want those love stories in front of me. And no, not everything always works and that's fine. But I beg, it's not everyday publicity. 
I don't know if you guys have heard, but Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas are also getting a divorce. That's mad. There's two kids in the mix and it's just so sad. And I was following a content creator on TikTok who likes to do in-depth dives into these people's relationships with as much information as she has. And she was like, I predicted this because in the time that it took for Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner to get married from the engagement, Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra ended up dating, getting engaged and having multiple weddings. And she was like, yo, this is Joe Joe and Sophie have deciding amongst themselves and it's probably like a silence ring, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just so heartbreaking because where I'm coming from is I want everyone to be happy and in love but if you're doing the publicity shit are you happy and you are you in love like are you going for the right things that being said I hope with all my heart that Kylie and Timothy Chalamet are something real because the shenanigans of Travis was just a bit too much for me then we have Prince Andrew yo I don't need to explain to you the shenanigans of that one, okay? All I want to talk about is the fact that his case files won't be available to the public until 2065. I'm just going to leave that one there. I don't really need to talk much about it, do I? I'm sure you can tell from my tone, I'm not very fucking pleased. I don't know why they decided it was for his protection when those people out there that he abused needed a protection from him and so he gets to be protected as a criminal and a villain but moving on swiftly i just wanted to bring it to everyone's attention that's all then and last of all we have so this topic came up a lot in the last uh few i'm gonna say couple of weeks where a creator came online to say that her friend she had a friend who was in a relationship and she cheated the girl in the relationship cheated on her man and so she was like yeah i cut off that friend because i can't have a cheating friend now i feel a bit stuck on this point because a part of me is like that's true like my friend cheating on her boyfriend has nothing to do with me but then in in my heart I kind of understand where other people on the on the fence are like well if you can cheat on your man your partner for life like the person you choose how can you treat everyone else like it just makes you a dishonest person it makes you more capable of lying and making poor decisions etc etc I haven't quite like I would love to tell you that I have a stance on this but I just wanted to share it because I was so at a stalemate within myself of like what what would I do if my friend was cheating because I wouldn't be happy about it actually shout out to my friends if you cheating on your mans please don't tell me I don't want to be stuck in the middle of that especially if I know him my heart is just going to be pulled in different directions because I don't think it's right and I would say that I don't think it's right because you should be strong in your conviction of knowing that you don't want to be with that person and if you had a chat with me about it I'll tell you to leave that person if you're on the edge of like wanting to cheat on them because wanting to cheat on someone is an understandable feeling from a human mystic perspective at the end of the day you know if you're missing something from your relationship you're going to look elsewhere from it so I understand the motivation but just don't do that because it compromises you and your own values is what I'm saying but I don't know if I'm at that point of like cutting off friends if they're doing that because I don't know I don't want to do that so yeah Today's episode, episode six, we are going to be diving into a topic that has swept the nation of the UK, at least, regarding Lucy Letby and her harm of over 17 babies on the neonatal unit between the year June 2015 and June 2016. 
this is going to be a hard topic for some if you are listening and I decided I wanted to talk about this based on the recommendation of a friend and also the fact that I can give a more unique perspective because of my nursing background I just want to say first of all though I've been doing research and I've collected information but of course I by no means am a professional when it comes to killers a professional when it comes to the NHS in that I don't know and understand all the operating systems I can only give you an opinion a very I'm gonna I don't want to say superficial but an opinion of the information that I have and I'm gonna talk you through what I thought of the case what are my bigger issues and how people are reacting to it and what I think about it all so strap in buckle in but I do want to say trigger warnings talking about abuse murder methods etc etc so let's just dive right into it If you don't know, Lucy Letby was a former neonatal nurse who murdered at least seven infants and attempted the murder of another 10 between June 2015 and June 2016. Essentially, she was deliberately injecting the babies with air, force feeding them milk or poisoning them with insulin, which makes your blood sugar levels drop and essentially kills you. Okay. And it was described really as a cruel, calculated and cynical campaign of child murder. For me, one of the things that stands out most is that it's really scary that she wasn't charged until late 2020, you know, when we were all coming down from, well, actually I say coming down, but we were still in the heights of COVID. Even before that, the case was raised, you know, summer of 2015, that there were concerns about Lucy, her operating in the neonatal unit and babies dying. It wasn't until October that one of the paediatricians you know, put forth claims. And it wasn't until three months after that, that they responded at least, you know, Operation Hummingbird commenced in December, 2017. So it was more than a year later, year and a half later, where the police were allowed to be involved after a neonatologist found that a lot of the deaths were not a result of natural causes. And that is scary. I'd like to first say that, you know, my heart goes out to these parents because as a nurse, I recognize the amount of trust that you as a patient or at least the parent or the family of a patient put in our hands you know that's part of why I don't want to work as a nurse anymore because I just don't feel like there is enough recognition of that responsibility where I could leave a ward and be and I still worry about what I might have done which could cause a patient to deteriorate or if I didn't pass on any important information. Like when I tell you guys, I almost lost a pin I didn't have because of an issue that happened on the ward where it was my fault and nothing happened, thank goodness. She was, the patient was absolutely fine, but I hadn't been handed over that she was diabetic. And when she arrived and I went to see her because I hadn't had time because I was dealing with so many other patients, she said she felt a bit funny and I was so quick on the mark. I just gave her food straight away. And then she mentioned she was diabetic, which always breaks my heart to think about that a crazy incident could have occurred and it would have been my responsibility. I can't imagine how the staff must have felt knowing that there was a killer in their midst and suspecting who and knowing who and not being able to do anything about it because what is even more crazy is that they were all, 10 members of staff came forward about their suspicions about Lucy and all of them were told that they were bullying her and and that she was a victim. She managed to gaslight so many people during this time And it's hard. People are now calling for the heads of management and saying that it's their fault. And a part of me was like that too. But then we have to remember that actually a lot of clinicians are in managerial roles in the hospital. Those people that have spent their time learning about it all are also a part of the problem. And it's so funny to me because at least 
in a lot of the placements that I had as a student, I almost honestly felt like the nurses that were in management positions almost forgot the amount of stress, the responsibility, the amount of accountability that you needed to have on the ward because they'd be throwing demands at you and expectations at you left, right and centre and you were left with how the hell am I going to manage this load? I think for me, aside from the obvious fact that 17 babies were put at harm and seven of them died at the result of her hands they're still doing an inquiry into more baby deaths surrounding her time in placements and at work is that we've seen these stories repeated at least in an international sense we know of stories where there have been nurses at the forefront of patients care and harming them for example If you've seen, it's called The Good Nurse and it's on Netflix. It talks about Charlie Cullen, an adult nurse who was a serial killer in America, murdering possibly hundreds of patients through drug overdoses over his 16 year career. And these were all over different medical facilities in New Jersey up until 2003. It was so scary to watch that film because I watched it with Juan and how easily he was managing to get away with all of with all of these murders. I say get away with all of these murders because even then I saw and I recognized that in the medical facilities, it was very much reputation over consequence. A lot of the time, medical centers would fire Charlie, Mr. Cullen, instead of holding him accountable for the suspected murders. What they didn't realize or what they weren't caring about really is that their reputation meant that they would let go of a nurse who they knew was killing patients or at least harming them and letting him go off into the world, apply for other jobs. And often they'd give him positive reviews and positive job, what's it called? Positive job references, which is crazy. You've endangered the lives of hundreds of patients because you didn't want to deal with the consequences of having a murderer in your midst. And I'm not blaming the hospitals. How we, there are already so many tests and demands of getting a nursing degree that the added thought of how are we going to whittle out a serial killer maybe we need more psychology style based testing but it's not necessarily a hospital's fault if someone comes in and happens to be a murderer what is our responsibility as a hospital is to make sure that they are dealt with quickly effectively and accordingly because people like him people like lucy have been able to create so much harm to patients that it's unspeakable it's unthinkable another incident as well is Niels Hogel who was a nurse in Germany who killed at least 85 patients and was sacked from the Oldenburg clinic following clear indicators that he was harming patients but again rather than go through disciplinary procedures that would remain on his employment record and make sure he never practiced again the clinic gave him positive references and he continued elsewhere like that's three nurses in at least the last 20 to 30 years that were just allowed to partake in their murder spree when people knew and reported it. uh, Dr. Ravi, who was one of the clinicians who spoke up against Lucy, this is a quote from him saying, we were getting a reasonable amount of pressure from senior management at the hospital not to make a fuss because they cared more about reputation than the consequences. Even now, when I was reading reports, I felt that the negligence was absolutely crazy because there were a lot of the hospital managers that were doing everything they could from being held accountable, which is trying to prosecute without witnesses so that people wouldn't speak and it would just be based on evidence. And I think that's so sad, like trying to avoid taking accountability for the actions that you played when people were whistleblowing about her and you made them apologise. I think 
It's a great point that one of the lead paediatric consultants, Dr. Brewery, made, saying that hospital managers should be regulating in the same way as doctors. I do think this would even out the playing field, but a part of me doesn't know what that would look like. It would make more people responsible for the dangerous circumstances in which nurses and doctors have to work under through pressure from the admin teams and service managers. You know, the role of a service and hospital manager is to hold responsibility for, to ensure that services they manage are delivered safely to a high standard and within budget. I know the budget talk is a sensitive one because the reality is the NHS is, they say the NHS is failing and that there's no money. I've always held the opinion that there's money, it's just going to the wrong places. But who am I? Me, I'm not an accountant. They are instrumental service managers and managers in ensuring that the services align with local trust and national strategic policies to drive forward future service transformation. I always felt that the service managers in the hospital held a lot of responsibility, despite the fact that they were not regulated in a similar way to us and an example I can give you of this is I worked for a short period of time as admin in a breath test clinic and I was really shocked to see some of the ways that they were trying to cut costs and cut down on a service that really people need because the purpose of the breath test clinic was to diagnose internal issues with the gut so there were three different types of tests i'm gonna get really sciencey but bear with me there were three types of tests using three different strains oh my goodness my memory is going using three different types of sugars to diagnose whether you had SIBO which is a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth to find out whether you were fructose intolerant lactose intolerant and to find out whether you had H pylori which was a bacteria that grew in the gut and caused different symptoms like acid reflux etc etc there was also an esophageal lab which dealt with more intensive things where they had monitors in your stomach etc and when I worked as admin they would essentially hire me for maybe two or three days in the week to support the breath test clinic ad physician who they were underpaying by the way because you have to do a series of qualifications to be allowed to diagnose and interpret the findings and results of people's tests and doing that qualification takes you straight to a band six some of you won't understand how the banding works but essentially as a qualified nurse i am band five the people that you refer to as healthcare assistants or nursing assistants in gstt for example they are in gray uniform i usually band two or three different job roles throughout the nhs whether they're administration reception security whatever will usually be banded as well but the easiest one i can give you is band five is a nurse who i am with a qualification and that person was supposed to be boosted to a band six straight away because they are interpreting physiological findings from people and their tests but it's been basically a few years since she qualified and the service managers and the administration of that team and of that section of the hospital were adamant to keep her as a band four which is highly unacceptable the excuses where there's no money i can't tell you when i was by her side trying to go through some of these documentation and 
pushed the case that she deserved to have this. She was the only person working in that clinic and carrying out these tests. Not only that, but she was having to, the job is intense. Like you're making home kits to send to people, tracking those, making sure they send it back, sending the results of tests, interpreting the findings, waiting, making sure, scheduling patients. The waiting list process was one of the hardest things I had to manage when I worked in an admin role doing all of that. And she was expected more or less to do it by herself or to pick up the slack when she needed being underpaid. I also want to add that her job role as a breath test clinician meant that she had to carry out between six to seven tests per day, all which took about three hours each. And she'd need to see patients every 15 minutes whilst managing the waiting lists, whilst making making home kits, whilst diagnosing previous results, whilst getting the results from the home kits. And that's just one part of the NHS and one part of the hospital and my experience so I can't imagine and that was from pressure of the service managers and her manager who weren't supporting her in that way in that role so can you imagine other people like the nurses like the band sixes and band sevens on the ward who really require support another one that I can talk about is when I was working on the on a gynecology ward and a lot of the staff just kept leaving like a lot of the experienced staff were leaving because they didn't feel supported or well managed and just felt like a lot of expectations were put on them from the service managers and the ward managers and I just I have an in a real relatable sense of what these clinicians who were whistleblowing on the Lucy case were talking about and what they must have been going through and feeling because I've seen firsthand, I can't talk about it, but I've seen firsthand where someone has made a mistake on the ward, a a potentially lethal mistake on a ward, and it was erased from the very mainframe of everything. Like the mistake was erased from documentation, nothing was ever carried out, nothing, no one was ever punished. So I know, I know what that looks like. And the thing is, it's essentially, because it's a public funded system, you know, between the cost cutting, the increased privatisation in some sections and the focus on efficiency undermines the running of the hospital. And, and that's the problem. You know, those pressures, where they focus on the hospital's reputation mean that in general, the working environment is going to become more defensive. And to change the work culture of the NHS and staffing It's not easy. And that's what I ran from. I hate to even bring it up, but even the instances or the presence of racism in the NHS, I know that, you know, you see it diverse because it's London and things like that. But there have been occasions where I was, I experienced that. I saw in the NHS that a lot of, funnily enough, a lot of the worlds I was on, the people who were in managerial positions weren't my skin tone. Let me just put it that way. And I had seen where certain members of my team had gone for higher higher managerial positions and somehow people younger than them were offered those positions above them despite the inexperience that the younger clinician had over them I'm not going to sit here and let someone tell me that that's not true because I saw it with my own eyes I absolutely believe that Lucy Letby's whiteness had a part to play in why the case took so long to pick up and all the sorts of photos that were going around her holding up baby gross her looking happy when if it was someone else yo 
The mug shots would be all over the wall. There is a website called equalityforblacknurses.com who spoke about the Lucy Letby case and the discrimination faced to other ethnic minorities who have been mistreated, which is nothing compared to how Lucy Letby was treated. For example, they've got black midwife who they are dealing with and backing who successfully managed to deliver a baby independently with no harm being caused to the mother of the baby. However, the midwife is being struck off from the NMC register despite a well-respected obstetrician praising the midwife for her intervention because she wasn't supposed to be delivering it on her own, apparently. Another example is a Filipino nurse being falsely accused of inappropriately touching, uh, being arrested the same day, and within 10 days she had been struck off the NMC register despite the fact that there was no evidence to support the claims and had never been charged in the past with any previous offences. She was suspended from her NHS post, whilst may I add comparatively, when there was suspicions of Lu- on Lucy Letby, she was just passed along into an administrative role. You have that. And last of all, I'm just going to give you one more, you know. There is a black nurse, age 70, who was arrested at 3 a.m. in a dawn raid, suspended from the NMC register after being wrongly accused of something that she wasn't even present for. The event turned her life entirely upside down. In the case of racism and bias being present in the Lucy Letby case as well, there is an academic who is usually a media commentator, Dr. Sholomos Shogbamimu, who regularly appears in the public. So you may may know her. She made a comment about the Lucy Letby case saying, and I quote, Lucy Letby exemplifies how how ideology of whiteness keeps Britain in a chokehold. They believed her tears and denials, even though evidence said otherwise for no other reason than she's white. The backlash that came from that quote was maddening it sparked so much controversy with people saying to her and and commenting that she'd stoop to any level to race bait and that she's wrong you know if lucy had been black or brown they would have been afraid to report her for fear of being called racist and that's utter bollocks that's such bullshit force feeding identity into into infanticide which was what people said and she responded with i'm deeply regretful to those i've offended re my post on lucy let please accept my regret at your lack of critical thinking skills poor reading comprehension and being a a despicable human who's more outraged at truth of whiteness ideology than a baby murderer stay offended and i completely agree because on top of the examples that I've given you, I've seen firsthand how race plays out in the NHS. I'm not saying it's everyone. I don't need to say it's everyone. We know it's not everyone, but unfortunately there are systems in place which discriminate against those who are not white British in in the NHS. The reality is though, that for those of us who pursue nursing, we ignore those things and we go into it either way because usually our intentions are good and we just want to help patients. That's all you want to do. You want to help people. So my takeaway from all of this is I really want to be positive and feel like much is going to change after Lucy Let Be. I say this because I don't know if you guys know about the Mid Staffordshire Hospital Inquiry back in 2013 when it was published. We had to learn about this in uni because of course, you know, we had to learn about the failings of the in the NHS as well, where they investigated the dispute which said that 400 to 1,200 patients died as a result of poor care over the 50 months between January 2005 and March 2009 at Stafford Hospital, which was a small hospital district in Staffordshire. And I mention it now because it brings attention to some of the 
and I quote appalling reports that came from that hospital saying you know inadequately trained staff were too few in number junior doctors left alone at night patients without food drink or medication because their operations were repeatedly cancelled I've seen that happen to be honest receptionists with no medical training were expected to assess patients coming into A&E some of who needed urgent care I don't know how the hell that happened and then you know the health secretary Alan Johnson also said that there was a complete failure of management to address serious problems and monitor performance which unfortunately leads to unacceptable failures to treat emergency patients safely and with dignity. And those chaotic systems of looking after patients meant that many died and that there was a high mortality rate over there. It's crazy because they actually released an independent inquiry in 2010 under the NHS Act. And then Francis, the gentleman who carried out the report, then did another one, which was a public inquiry in 2013. So it was massive and it just highlighted so many things that the NHS needed to improve on improve care to improve the work culture and we have a massive case like Lucy Letby that took seven to eight years to be charged with and to come to terms with everything to finally conclude after her going crazy and murdering babies to kind of feel like well we didn't really learn anything then did we of course Like I said before at the beginning, I don't work for the NHS and I never have apart from when I was a student. So I only have those experiences to go on. But I can tell you hand on heart that what I saw in the hospital was tried to be better. But I would say that in terms of certain treatment of patients, I how I saw some nursing assistants and nurses interact with patients, how other people treat their colleagues, bullying that I saw among colleagues and discrimination against certain patients I would say that I don't feel I didn't feel like a lot changed so I'm not positive about any changes here what I think needs to happen again is what we've gone over and discussed over and over again they've done inquiries they've done reports the NHS needs an overhaul in terms of work and environment culture will that happen with the privatization and all the cost cutting I have no idea All I can say is with my nursing background that I hope it does change because at the forefront of everything, at the forefront of patient care, all we care about is making sure that the patient is safe, happy and treated well. And unfortunately, that just doesn't happen all the time. I think until we move away from the negative work culture of making no noise, of not reporting things, of prioritising reputation over consequences, I just don't feel like there is going to be much change. And I don't know if the continued cost cost cuttings, prolonged waiting times and issues such as those are going to contribute to an improved NHS. I'm going to cut us off right here. I have come to the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed with me, your host, NKEM, on the Dear Baddest Bee podcast. You know, I know it was quite heavy and I hope I gave you some insight if you didn't have any into the Lucy Letby case and my take as a nurse, some of the experiences that I had and how I feel like pretty much what happened was atrocious. But I recognise that unfortunately the systems in place didn't protect the children enough from the poor work environment that allowed Lucy and her murdering spree to thrive. If you have any more questions or want me to go in depth about 
any more to do with the case or my opinions on nursing, then please, please send an email to contact at DBB podcast. That's contact at dbbpodcast.com. I didn't even say the dot com in the first bit, but yeah, dot com. <laughs> or you can send me a message on IG on the Dear Baddest B podcast page, which is open and I am posting regularly. I hope you enjoyed this with me and I look forward to seeing you in the next one with my new segments and my new attitude and my home studio. Have a great week, guys. <laughs>